Please pray with me. O God of peace, you have taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, and quiet and confidence shall be our strength. So lift us by the might of your spirit to your presence, where we might be still, and know that you are God. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Yollywood. You know, Atlanta is now the Hollywood of the South, so Yollywood. And as we're coming out of COVID, I have to tell you that Midtown is writhing with studios and stars around every corner, diverting traffic, summoning the masses on social media, eager to get just a glimpse, just to touch the garment's hem of that stardom. The other night, Michael and I were walking back to our apartment in Midtown after dinner. And as we approached the entrance, there's a restaurant on the first floor of our apartment and a patio. And he said, well, don't be too obvious. (laughs) But if you look to your left, there's a star named Rebel Wilson, who you may remember... uh, most uh, memorably, I suppose, as Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect. Big star, Rebel Wilson. So I tried to keep it cool and glanced over (laughs) casually. Our pace slowed. We got right to the door and just lingered for another moment. I was so tempted to break out my phone and snap a picture. And then I heard, Zach! I said to Michael, Someone just called my name. They know me. (laughs) And he rolled his eyes and said, you're hallucinating. (laughs) Let's go. But then I heard my name again, Zach, coming from right where Rebel Wilson was. I was very disoriented, and a, a woman then started approaching me. And it was not Rebel Wilson, but it was, in fact, a parishioner here. Are you here? Renee Wilson. I kid you not. Is Renee here? Well, if you're watching on the live stream, you're welcome. Uh, But she she came towards me and said, Zach, it's Renee. I said, oh, hey, Renee, it's so good to see you. I'm sorry. I'm a little starstruck, a little disoriented. I said, I don't know if you know who was sitting behind you, but it's kind of a big deal. And she said, oh, I know. (laughs) Trust me, they've been having dinner uh, in proximity all night. And she said, I don't want to bother you, Zach, but I just wanted to introduce you to my friend here, because, you know, you've been praying for her five-year-old son, Paul, this whole year during COVID. Paul's been battling cancer, and God has been doing such an amazing healing work in him through the chemo treatments, through all the medical care, and they're not members here, but they've felt your prayers, and they're so grateful and thankful for this community and the love and the support and the care and compassion that just exudes from this place. And so I got to meet her friends and got to connect over young Paul. We've been receiving pictures. And it was such a holy, grace-filled moment. A moment of connection and love. And a moment of conviction. Because I almost missed it. I almost missed the voice that knows my name. 
Rebel Wilson doesn't care about me. <laughs> she don't care about you either. But here we were in this holy moment. I almost missed the miracle in the midst of the mundane and the familiar and the everyday. Right there it was, God's Holy Spirit breaking through. The Good Shepherd who knows our name, my name, and yours. Jesus enters a similar environment today. The first century paparazzi has gotten word that Jesus is in town. And the, the masses are coming from near and far to catch a glimpse of this Jesus. His fame and celebrity and notoriety has been on the rise. And the guy can't catch a break. Everywhere he goes, the crowds follow him. But there's a distinction today in our gospel. I think the distinction is between <laughs> the followers of Jesus, his disciples who have been by his side all along, and the fans of Jesus. The fans of Jesus are chasing him. Jesus isn't looking for people to chase him. He's looking for followers to be in real relationship. But we humans love a good chase, don't we? We chase after success and achievements and romantic pursuits. Did anyone maybe in your younger years have a love interest? <laughs> you chased and chased and chased and chased, and then suddenly you're in a relationship, and it's like really boring. <laughs> Have you ever been in love with the chase? Have you ever been addicted to the chase? So much that we <laughs> forget what it is we were even looking for to begin with. The people were chasing after Jesus, but see, <laughs> this chase business is a spiritual disposition. So many of us are chasers. <laughs> Jesus looks at the crowds and says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he has compassion on them. Have you ever felt like a sheep without a shepherd? Jesus wants to turn those sheep without shepherds, those chasers, he wants to turn them into followers in relationship who know they're okay, who know the love and the acceptance, the validation that the world cannot give, but God can. So the first difference between a, a fan and a friend is that fans are restless. Friends, rest. Jesus invites his disciples to rest today. He says, come away with me to a deserted place, to a wilderness place, a place of rest to be sure, but also a place of wrestling and contemplation. The wilderness was where Jesus was tempted, you remember, by Satan? Here, see all the kingdoms of the world, they could be yours. It's where Jesus wrestled with the forces of darkness. Jesus knew that his disciples needed rest. Not only had they been on mission, working, healing, teaching, preaching. They had just been traumatized. They had just seen Jesus' cousin John the Baptist, who was preaching the same message, get beheaded for it in a sick political play. Could the same thing happen to us? 
Was it worth it? The disciples in their trauma needed rest to process, to ask the hard questions, to be away. We need rest. After the trauma that we've all just collectively endured, after this past year, we need time to be away, to contemplate, to ask the hard questions, to recalibrate, to reprioritize, to rest. Like sheep without a shepherd. It wasn't just a kind of spiritual platitude or, or metaphor. This was a critique on the powers that be. Unlike the shepherds of God who led God's people through the wilderness with care and compassion and justice, the people of the day were under the oppression and the rule of Roman military empire. They didn't have real leaders. They certainly didn't have the kinds of shepherds that God imagined leading the people. They had rulers who rendered humans as machines. No rest, products, productivity, profits, domination. On the flip side, Jesus invites them and us into deeper rest. There is no virtue in workaholism. Neither should rest be a commodity for the privileged. What would it take for you to really enter a season of rest? There's a cost involved, to be sure. When we're resting, we ain't working. And when we're not working, we're not making money. There's a higher cost to not resting for our bodies, for our body, for our souls. Sometimes it feels in our culture like it'll take a nuclear peace treaty to set the work down, right? Because we don't want to set the work down when our neighbor's hustling, right? Maybe that's why when God gave the Ten Commandments, he gave the Sabbath as a collective practice. It's what our souls so desperately need. You know, I love the prayers from Compline, which is the nighttime monastic prayer office. They talk a lot about rest at the end of the day. And they also talk a lot about death. The idea is that every night we are called to die a little death. Death to sin, death to self, death to all the regrets from the day before, all the expectations unmet, so that in the morning we might rise to newness of life with Christ once more. This pattern of death and resurrection, rest and rebirth, is the very essence of what it means to live the Christian life. We don't just need rest in order to renew the labor force so that we can get back at it tomorrow. We need rest for our souls. That's what Jesus invites us into today. Rest for the restless. Also, discernment for the distracted. I find a lot of grace. (laughs) I'm going to contradict everything I just said. But I find a lot of grace in the fact that (laughs) 
um, Jesus and the disciples pretty much failed. <laughs> Their intent was to rest, but they actually didn't. If you look at, I mean, look at the, look at the reading again. <laughs> they never quite made it to the full two weeks of R&R that maybe they were hoping for. The calls and the crowds and the callings and the fires keep cropping up. <laughs> How many of you, despite your best intentions to rest, have had seasons where you just can't get away? Those fires keep cropping up. And then what? We feel guilty, right? Because rest is just another thing on our uh, to-do list to check off so that we can say we've accomplished it. Well, if it makes you feel better, it makes me feel better. Even Jesus <laughs> had trouble really getting away. He did. And when faced with the human need right before him, he tended to it. That said, we are not Jesus. We are not God. I think that it's all about, for me anyways, deciding, okay, what are my boundaries? And what are my exceptions? What are my exceptions when I'm trying to have a period of rest? The late Rachel Held Evans, may she rest in peace, wonderful author out of the kind of post-evangelical tradition, and she helped folks deal with religious trauma from the church. And as her notoriety was increasing and kind of her, her fame, uh, she had to stop taking a lot of the kind of... Uh, coffee dates that she used to take from aspiring writers who wanted to learn from her. But she said that the one exception was she always made time for her fans who wanted to uh, share their coming out story with her or come out to her because she felt like that was uh, such a gift that she could offer having come out of such an oppressive tradition that she could create space for folks to claim who they really are. I don't know what it looks like for you and your work life and your family life, what the exceptions are to rest, but I'd invite you as you consider what it would look like to get more rest, to name what your exceptions might be, and then to set your boundaries because we aren't Jesus. <clears throat> so fans versus followers. In closing, here's the beautiful thing. Before we draw too strong a dichotomy between the fans and the followers, oh, am I a follower, a true friend, or I'm a fan? <laughs> you know, the thing is, Jesus treats them all the same. He extends the same compassion, the same grace. Maybe you've been following Jesus close your whole life. Maybe you're just now a little curious. Maybe he's your last resort. Maybe you're at the end of your rope. Jesus' compassion on the whole human family is the same. Have you ever felt like a sheep without a shepherd? Jesus wants to be your good shepherd today and mine. At the end of the story today, the masses start bringing the sick, the ill, on mats 
into the center of the marketplace. It's a provocative image. It's the same marketplace of greed and dehumanization and chasing that keeps God's people sick and bound and ill today. And they brought the sick right into the middle of the marketplace, desperate that they might touch the fringe of Jesus' cloak, desperate for the crumbs from underneath the table. (laughs) They'd be happy for whatever they got. They grasp for the fringe of Jesus' cloak, and Jesus gives them everything, complete and total healing, belonging, acceptance. He restores their humanity. They ask for crumbs, and Jesus gives them the whole feast. There's nothing more joyful and beautiful and fulfilling than knowing that kind of love, that kind of grace, that acceptance that the world can't give, but Jesus longs to give. When we cut the chase, when we receive the rest that he invites us into, when we let him be our good shepherd. Come to God's table today. What are you desperate for? What have you been chasing after? What burdens do you want to let go of? May we find the courage to give it all to God and let God be our all in all. Amen.